Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Julian Dubois. We're going to be talking about, again, her journey into entrepreneurship, how she got started, the work she's doing, how she learned how to start a business, uh, tips and tricks, uh, incorporation, and uh, some gems for you, for those of you who are now in this initial stage of what I'm doing, and uh, to get some more uh, tips on if you're starting out and maybe you're not where you are or where you expected to be on how you can uh, scale, get better uh, at what you're doing. Uh, so for those who be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Jillian? Well, hello. Thank you so much, Dr. Will. I'm uh, so excited to be here. And uh, I am Jillian Dubois. I'm from Clearwater, Florida. I've been an educator for over 20 years. I now call myself a repurposed educator, um, being that I've stepped away from the traditional classroom and entered into a new path and a new track in education that I love and have just become very passionate about, and that is helping other educators in their professional development and their professional learning journey. So it's um, been quite the transition. I still miss kids in the classroom, but I do get a few opportunities every now and then to pop my head in and do a read aloud or get to talk to classes about being an author and an illustrator. I uh, have a 25 year old son and I've uh, been married for 34 years. And yeah, just enjoy everything outdoors. It was nice today in Clearwater, sat outside in the backyard and did my work and just uh, anything outdoors, anytime I can get some fresh air, that's what I do, fresh air in my lungs. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's tough work. And when you said that, I'm reminded of my dissertation and there was some research in that dissertation and it talked about teachers affinity for professional development and it and in that research it said that teachers who have a certain level of experience don't want it and now i'm thinking this explains what i've been dealing with (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and we're kind of on the same track here because we could do some of this similar work but um i'm finding that you know we have to just be constantly willing to evolve and move with the change in technology. I mean, even just from two years ago, I mean, look at what's happening now with AI and, you know, everything is changing and we have to be willing to adapt. And for those educators who are like, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm five years away from retiring or, you know, I I don't need all that stuff. No, you may not need it, but your kids need it. Your students need it. Um, they need the, you know, inclusivity and the equity that comes along with it because they each take something so brilliantly different away from everything that you teach them. You may teach them one specific tech tool, but they're going to use it in a hundred different ways. And that's what the beauty of it is. 
Mm. I've never had a teacher tell me that, but if they do, if I ever have one, I'm going to, I'm just going to ask them if you had to have a medical procedure and the doctor told you, I am, I can't do it because I'm five years away from retiring and I'm not going to be learning this new technique to help you out. Would you go see that doctor? <laughs> That's right. There you go. Would you be like next? And so, you know, <laughs> just think about that. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you'd be doing when you were growing up? And how did you find yourself in K through 12 education? Ah, well, I grew up wanting to be an interior designer. That was my lifelong dream. So I've always loved color and art and artistry and design and things like that. And I went to college and I got a degree in education because that's what, you know, we did. That's what young women did um, 30 some years ago. It was like, you know, you kind of were pigeonholed into a track and it was either that or it was home economics. <laughs> like I got to do more than that. So, you know, and I got a degree, but at the same time, it's like, I, it wasn't my passion. wasn't what I wanted to do. So I went into different things. I went into banking. I went into ophthalmology. I, I stayed in the ophthalmology um, career path for a good 10 years. I was a certified ophthalmic technician. And when my son came along and started school, I was like, you know, he's having some struggles. He's having some difficulties in the classroom um, learning. And we knew he was a little developmentally delayed and there were some things going on with ADHD and some dyslexia at an early age. I thought, you know what? I need to help him as much as I can. And I remember quitting my job and staying home and helping him kind of with extra work at home and homework and things like that. And I thought, well, why don't I start volunteering in the school? Started volunteering in the classroom, uh, started as a, I wiped down tables in the lunchroom. And I remembered how much I loved interacting with students in the lunchroom of all places where they probably are their least behaved selves. Um, but I loved it. I loved opening milk cartons and I loved, you know, handing them napkins and straws and just started building little micro relationships with kids. And I realized this might be something I really want to do. My son was always glad to have me there. And uh, so, yeah, so I just kind of, they had an opening. I remember I hopped in, I started out as an intervention um, resource paraprofessional. And when an opportunity arose for me to teach third grade, I jumped in and I didn't know what I was doing, had no idea. I, you know, it had been so long since I'd been in school. And at that time, you know, education looked a lot different. And I remember just being that authoritative, mm, sit down, open your book, don't get up, raise your hand. And there was no collaboration. There was no, you know, talking out loud. There was no discussion. It was sit in your seat, do your work, you're done, bell rings, we leave. Um, and I was miserable. Had a really, really hard time just finding my groove. Um, I had fortunately had some really good mentors and some good people that kind of came along underneath me and were able to kind of help me and guide me along and coach me. So I was pretty fortunate in that. Um, but I just, at the heart of it, I had done it just because I thought that's, you know, yeah, that's what I need to do. But really, it was because I needed to be there for my son um, as he 
got through more and more grades, it became more increasingly difficult for him. Um, he's also on the autism spectrum. So there were just opportunities where I was like, you know, this is good. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I can talk to his teachers and I'm glad I'm seeing what's going on. But when he got to about eighth grade, he couldn't do it anymore. And uh, so we, we pulled him out of school. I homeschooled for four years through high school. So I relearned a whole lot in those four or five years because I didn't do so well in algebra when I was in high school. So I had to relearn it alongside of him. But those were the formative years of my teaching career, believe it or not. Those four or five years taught me so much about allowing him to learn how he needs to learn. If he needs to sit on top of, you know, the table, if he needs to, you know, put a blanket on the floor and cover his head and grab a flashlight to read, that's how he's going to learn. So it really transformed my whole teaching philosophy and my whole teaching practice when I was home for those years, because I went back into the classroom and that was seven years ago, went back into the classroom, a totally different teacher. I loved every single day. I loved every single kid's learning style and their needs and watching them learn and grow. And I remember one little girl, her favorite spot was underneath my desk, beneath my feet, if I was sitting at the desk and that's where she learned the best. Flexible seating was huge for me. Choice, um, getting up and taking brain breaks and moving and collaborating in tech tools that I was learning, you know, and it was just, it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing to see unfold. So, and I remember telling myself when I'm ready to leave the classroom, um, I'll know it'll be time. And I want to help others, you know, learn the same thing that I learned, learn the same lesson. Don't get stuck. You know, everyone can, has the capability to be an amazing teacher. You just have to have the right perspective and the right attitude. Hmm. So that's how I got into education. <laughs> So you're an author, illustrator, speaker, podcaster, etc. What called you to embark on this journey? Well, you know, as an Enneagram 9 introvert, um, it never was anything that I thought I would be doing. Honestly, I had no desire to be a public speaker, no desire to ever put out a podcast, no desire to ever just stand up or speak in front of people, you know, and, and tell my story, but it wasn't until COVID hit and I was at home and I had to, honestly, you had to perform because I had to get on a screen every single day in front of students. And I had to be there all day, constantly on and while looking at myself <laughs> and going, yeah, this is what they see every day. And I thought, why not expand my reach a little bit? I had some time. I had some things in my past that, you know, were heartfelt memories for me that I kind of wanted to share. And I always told my students um, when I taught writing, I said, you know what? We all have stories to share. We all have a story to tell. And you'll know when it's the right time to tell your story. And so Dr. Willett was like the right time to tell my story. I remember sitting down um, in March of 2020 when it, COVID hit and we were home and couldn't go anywhere. And I thought, I'm just going to start putting some things. I'm just going to start heart dumping. And that's what I called it. I opened up a Google Doc 
And I just started filling it um, with things that were in my journal, with things that were in, in my heart, on my mind, um, just so many different things. And, but one particular thing was the story about um, my sister. And I lost my sister when she was 40 to cancer. And I remember, you know, she left behind a seven-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old son. And I thought, you know, they're never going to know the beauty of their mom. They're never going to understand her character and how compassionate and how loving and how kind she was. So that was my first story. I actually um, wrote Liv's Seashells. Um, and it was a story dedicated to my sister who loved the beach. And it was about a little girl who went to the beach. Um, my sister's name was Lisa, but Lisa's seashells didn't have the same ring to it. So <laughs> I uh, named her Liv and Liv would go to the seashore, seashore and to the beach and she would pick up all of the imperfect shells. She would pick up the ones that were broken that people had just discarded and didn't want or, you know, a broken starfish or a broken sand dollar and she would collect them and it reminded me of my sister and it kind of paralleled my sister in the fact that she was just so kind and so empathetic and so inclusive that she would pick up people that were broken and pick up people that were hurting and that people had discarded and um, people that were just you know suffering um, emotionally and she would bring them she would bring them joy so that story um was about her. Um, I've written several others. I think I've got five total. Um, and then a deck of cards I just came up with um, not too long ago. It's almost like it's a flood, Dr. Will. It's like once you kind of open that floodgate, it's like it all starts to come out. So I've got lots of projects even in my head still going, but I, I try and dump it all um, when I can. So <laughs> that's a process. So you founded Imparted Joy LLC. How did you incorporate your business? Because there's many options for us to choose from. And what was your process in structuring and building the foundational systems for your business? Yeah, well, I just knew that I wanted to have my own. I wanted to have the control. I wanted to have the say so over what I did and what I was going to do for other people. And it all came about because um, I had gone with a publisher for my first book and things ended up not working out there towards the end. And I thought, you know what? I could do this myself. So I did. I looked up how to incorporate yourself and uh, I went and bought myself a couple of domains and went from there and I created the LLC. It was a simple process. I know different states have different requirements and Florida seems to be one that's pretty simple. So I went through Inkfile and I just created it and got everything. Luckily, I'm very fortunate. I have a CPA that it lives next door to me. So, and he kind of guided me through the process and as far as everything, setting up the tax pass-throughs and all of that. So, cause it was a whole thing I didn't understand. You know, I'm a teacher. <laughs> I know how to write lesson plans and I know how to teach, um, but I don't know about business. So that has been a journey. It's been like owning your own 
business for dummies kind of thing. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really very simple. You know, you set yourself up and you incorporate it. And I've been able to use it as a tool, as a vehicle to help others publish books as well. So I'm, it's really pretty much for me, it's, it, I'm using it as an imprint. So for publishing for children's books and who knows what else in the future. I want to throw this out there because you mentioned the CPA next door. What did you learn from that individual about taxes, particularly stuff that something that when you were educated on, you were like, oh, oh, okay. That I didn't know that. Um, I had no idea what a 1099 was. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know if you made over $600, you got to pay taxes on what you make. So um, yeah, there was that part of it. I mean, he just kind of went over the basics with me, like, here's what you can do, you know, so you don't have to file separate tax, you file it on the same, your same tax return. Um, it's called a pass through and you have to file it within 75 days of your incorporation. And I was like, what? <laughs> So yeah, it's a lot to process, but at the same time, it's like, it's very simple when you have, you know, the step-by-step step. and nowadays you can go to YouTube and you can, somebody will walk you through the process, but yeah, no, I was shocked at all of that. I thought, ah, you just make yourself a company and that's it. Um, but you do, you have to pay the fees every year, uh, to stay incorporated and, um, you do have to keep up. I've got, you know, PayPal business accounts now. So everything that runs through my business account is already accounted for and they send um, end of the year statements so that I can help that will help me with my taxes. So a lot of those programs are out there too. like PayPal's wonderful to work with. And, you know, they help you. They kind of guide you through it. So it's not really a you got to figure everything out on your own anymore, thankfully. Ooh, all right. So in doing this, you mentioned YouTube has resources out there and there are a lot of, there's no shortage for, okay, let's just say this. There's no shortage of business coaches and folks online who tell you, I can help you build a six figure, seven figure business and we can do this and we can do that. And not saying that a business coach isn't valuable or there are not any good-hearted real people out there. But I'm I have been very leery of paying someone, you know, I watch a lot of YouTube videos, but I've been very leery in paying people simply because some of the stuff people say, I'm going. Now, common sense will tell you this ain't true, right? And so I bring this up to ask you, what other entrepreneurs, other educators who are doing what you're doing, have you spoken with? Like, or, or what books have you read? What materials have you found that have been helpful in you growing your business? Yeah, so there have been several things. Um, I think when I first started the journey, I reached out to, you know, I was part of the Teach Better Network. And I reached out to, I had just happened to see that there was an Edupreneur Mastermind group. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I inquired about it. 
joined that group. We met every Thursday night at seven o'clock and it was just a space where there were like six or seven of us, you know, led by Jeff Gargas. And there were six or seven of us, but we were led by him and he started, you know, businesses for forever. He started over 25 or 30 businesses, not all successful. So he was kind of coming in and just, you know, hey, let's talk about this. Well, what do you want to talk about this week? Or, okay, Jill, next next week is your week. So we're going to focus on you. Tell us what your goals are. What are your visions? So how can we help you? How can we come and surround you? So it wasn't so much a coach, coach, coach. It was let's just come together and figure this thing out. I, yeah, I can give you some advice. I can give you some help. And it did. One of the biggest things, one of my biggest takeaways from that was, um, I wasn't charging enough. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a very compassionate and kind of person and I felt guilty for charging so much for what I do. And he's like, don't ever, ever discount your worth and discount your value because they're coming to you. They could go anywhere in the world to do what you're doing, but they want you. They want your style. They want the way that you illustrate. They want the way, the compassionate heart that you You don't ever, ever. And I think that was the biggest takeaway um, from that group was, you know, it's don't discount yourself you got a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. I'm glad so that, that what was the other one? Donald. I can't remember his last name. I read the book story brand, Donald Miller, Donald Miller's story brand was an amazing, amazing book. So I read that book. And what did you get from that book? And again, it's building your story, building your brand, because in order to have a brand, you really do need to tell a story. How did that brand come to be? And in order for it to be, it was not just, oh, one day I woke up and just wanted to do this. You have to hook somebody in. Here is why. Here's my why. Here's my how. And this is why I did this. Um, Let me, you know, can I, can we have a conversation about it? So it's so much more about just instead of marketing yourself, it's having that conversation, having that just deliberate interaction with somebody and letting them in your heart a little bit. Mm. That's all right. And I'm glad you mentioned the idea of this mindset evolution that many educators have to go through in saying, I'm going to charge this. Like some of us are better than others, right? A lot of us, especially when you're first starting, you'll go, someone asks you, you're, you're just like, you're, you're, you're like flattered, right? You're, it's like Grey's Anatomy, pick me, choose me. And, you know, and, and you're like, oh, thank you. Yes. But, but you have to, at some point, understand that you have to charge people and not based upon the time it took you to put together your slides or your materials or the time you're, you're going to spend at that location, but your experience, right? Mm-hmm. Your knowledge, your, your talent, everything that you're bringing to the table, you know, that is what they're paying for. Mm-hmm. Your solution, your transformation, not for time. And it's cool that Jeff's like, they're coming to you 
you know, because I've had people try to hustle me, mm-hmm. right? And they've come to me about stuff with no dollars, like no dollars. And I, I, I seriously, like me, you're asking me to do this for free? And I hate the word exposure. I have a podcast. There is YouTube. I don't need exposure from anyone. This is Oprah. I do something free for Oprah because I know Oprah going to move some units for a brother. Oprah going to open doors. <laughs> the other people want to open. But outside of Oprah, I'm not doing, you know, you're not going to come to me for free. You know, so I'm, I'm glad you <laughs> you brought it up because you know, we we do a lot of stuff as educators. And there's still those of us who they push back at the, even the idea of us becoming consultants, mm-hmm. right? And because oh, you'll see them on Twitter, oh, why are you charging for that lesson plan? Because I wrote it. It's mine. Should I, should I give it to you for free? I mean, I could, but do I have to? Right. So, so many of us are still stuck there. So tell us about your company and what products and or services do you sell? So Imparted Joy LLC started out as a hashtag and I still have the original, I have it with me, but I have the original little notes that I took when I was trying to come up with, because joy is just, joy is just my thing joy and it's not, you know, a Pollyanna. Oh, everything is always great all the time. I'm always happy. It's not for heaven's sake. I mean, can't tell you how many times today I wanted just to quit what I was doing, but you know, joy is a cultivation and it's a satisfaction. It's an internal satisfaction of peace and hope. And it has to be cultivated. It has to be something that you discipline yourself with. It's not happiness. It's not, you know, just having a perky attitude. It's just something you have to work on every single day. And I thought, how can I impart that to other people? How can I share that? How can I really make sure that I'm infusing that in other people? And I started using that as a hashtag, imparted joy and imparted joy. And I thought, hmm, wonder if anybody's taken that domain. Nope, nobody took it. Probably because nobody's ever heard of it. And I used in part ed, the ED, you know, being, you know, kind of connected to education Um, when it started out. Don't really do that as much anymore because we've kind of moved in a different direction. But um, it started out just being an encouraging space for educators. And I would kind of spotlight um, an educator here or there, you know, what are you doing? What do you, you know, and it just continued to grow. And that's when the books started coming along. And I thought, all right, well, I'm put my books up there. And so now it's become basically, how can I help you spark your story? So I want to spark people's stories. So I've got my own books that I've written, but I've also gotten, you know, to be with some other authors who I'm helping publish. And Dr. Will, there's always a story behind every one of those. Um, There's been three so far that I've published um, outside of my own work. And each one has been just this incredible weaving together of our own lives and our own stories. And I 
we've made friendships and we've cultivated that joy together. And I'm like, that's my, that's my vision um, is to help you spark your story, help you tell your story, get it out in the world. And if, you know, and I always make sure that when I'm with an author, you know, I'm like, listen, we'll take it as far as you want it to go. But if you just are wanting just to get it out because you want to write a book, then, and that's your goal, that's your goal. Um, it doesn't have to, it's not going to make you a million dollars guarantee that. <laughs> um, but it will make you, uh, you know, it will fill your soul and fill your heart. And that's what it's done. I had one today actually send me a bracelet as a thank you. And it's just a really sweet bracelet. Um, and it just like, uh, that was an affirmation that goodness. Okay. We're on the right track. We're doing the right thing for other people. So, um, we do, but so spark your story, which leads to book publishing, but also do, uh, do read alouds, um, for schools. I go into schools and I'll read aloud, um, my stories and uh, talk about the writing process and how to do a heart dump and how to think about those things that just, you know, are meaningful to you and how to get them out. Um, I find that especially, you know, working with students who are about fourth and fifth grade, you know, they have so much going on, um, getting ready to hit puberty, you know, getting ready to enter some adolescent years. And, and they've all, if they just are equipped with that little foundation, and I know teachers teach them well, but if they're just equipped with, here's another little strategy that you might, that might stick in your head mm -hmm. the next time you get stuck, if you're writing, that's, you know, that's my hope for them. So, so illustrating services, um, gosh, I think that's a, that's probably about it. Graphic. I've done some graphic design. I've done some work. I've created a few logos and done some graphic work. So yeah, that's about it. I know it sounds like that's about it, but that's a lot. <laughs> that is. And I'm just like, hi. <laughs> like, how did you get started with these things? Because again, these are, we're talking about illustrating and publishing and those other things. This is not sort of the, the normal of, of what we have seen. For those of us who are in this game, who know other people who speak at conferences, who do keynotes, who who write books, we you know we see them on Twitter. Uh, oh, they'll be at this conference. Oh, they'll be at the Teach Better. By the way, Teach Better, you've not hollered at your boy. All right, holler at your boy. Bring me on to your conference. Let me do what I do. <laughs> All right, but to do what you're doing, like, how did you get? Start with all that. Like, what is your creative process? How do you say, okay, how do you go from I'm going to write to, oh, I'm going to start illustrating. Oh, that's not enough. That's not <laughs> enough. I'm going to start <laughs> a publishing company. Oh, mm, I'm going to make some cards, make some cards. Uh, mm, I'm going to like, you like, you just keep doing it. You keep doing it. How, how does, how does all of this work out? It's the floodgates. <laughs> it just opens. So when I wrote the story and I wrote it and I, I put it into a Google doc and I wrote the first story, it lives uh, seashells and I put it in a Google doc and I sent it to my aunt and my aunt was an artist, brilliant artist. 
And she taught me everything I know about watercolor. And we used to paint together. We used to, she took me and gave me lessons and she was just amazing at what she did. And I said, Casey, I'm like, can you please, please, I want you to read the story and I want you just to put it in your mind and I want you to read through it. And I want you to be the illustrator of my book. And she's like, Jill, she goes, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, and it crushed me. I'm like, this is my favorite aunt. Like, I love her so much. I know she would do this. I know she could do this. She said, no. Why did she say no? I'm like, why are you saying no to me? This is a, a dream project. We've always wanted to do something together. And she's like, because you can do it. Mm. And I will never forget that conversation. And she helped me sit down and we kind of fleshed a few things out with the character and what we wanted her to look like. And she knew it was based on my sister and who she loved deeply. So we worked on it. She had me, she said, you know, she goes, you could put a little visual trigger on every page. And I'm like, what is that? She goes, well, you know what? The spirit of your sister, Lisa, she lives on, put a little firefly on each page. So I did. So I have a little visual firefly, a little trigger on each page in both of my lives books to represent her spirit. And I thought, but I just, I just thought, you know what? She's right. I could do this. And it wasn't, it was shortly, gosh, before, after I wrote the first book and she was so proud, she uh, passed away from COVID and, but I was so glad that I got to do that first book and I got to, she's the one that told me I could do it because had I not done it, I probably wouldn't have done the second book um, because it would have been two totally different illustrations. So you know, there's a purpose and a reason under the heavens for everything, I tell you. So um, she was my inspiration for that. And I used to do everything traditional paint paper, um, but I picked up my iPad and I picked up a good old Apple pencil and bought myself uh, an iPad app called Procreate. And I started drawing and I started coloring and I started painting and that's how I'm doing it now. Um, yeah. So that happened. The rest of the books kind of came along. And then most recently are my finding joy cards. Um, the finding joy cards. I don't even, I was going to write a book and I thought, you know what? I all of these little things kept coming to me. And I had so many quotes about joy and they all came to me and I started putting them down and I would write them in my journals. And I, you know, I have a million journals all over the house. So I started putting them all together, taking all my journals and putting all the journal notes together. And I went, Hmm, I'm like, no, I don't think it's a book. It's not going to come together. There's not a common thread of a story, but doggone if I could make some cards. So I took all of those, all of those quotes. I took everything that I had written down and it scared me to death because I'm like, these are personal. These are things I've written down. These are things that have helped me get through hard times, like crushing times, devastating times, but yet they've brought me joy. So I want to share that with other people. So it's a deck of 42 cards. Um, and I come the front card, actually the back of it, I always forget. I write a little note. It says these quotes and images come from a heart that is ready to pause, reflect, 
and rest on the fact that to share is to love. Joy is the confidence that every step forward is deeply rooted in faith and trust. What if we could bloom and grow towards the light with just the bare minimum daily? Let's be like plants and thrive with water, air, sun, and love. Smile and laugh at the simple things in life. Stay rooted, Jillian. So every card either is thrive in joy, cultivate joy, or grow joy. Um, but it's just, there's different sayings on them and they're all personal. <laughs> Everyone is illustrated. Um, most of them are flowers. And so some of them are very colorful and lifelike. Some of them are kind of cartoonish. I've got a few birds in there. Um, I have a little cardinal here, but for example, one of them says, um, the cardinal represents my sister too. It says joy validates outward expressions of contentment and heartache. It's no secret. They go hand in hand. Um, and what I do with these is I actually, I, I take them and I don't have very many left because I keep giving them away. I stick some in my handbag and I'll take them. And if I'm going somewhere and I just want to hand one to somebody I do, but every day I put one up beside my computer and that's kind of my meditation and my thought for the day. Um, this one says, it's the sunflower. I love sunflowers. It says joy alleviates anxious thoughts by putting energy into the positive. So again, you know, just things that are just constant reminders that I can get through this, um, you know, with the right perspective and a heart that is willing to be transformed and continue to evolve and grow and thrive. So that's the purpose. That's a purpose behind all of imparted joy. So that is all, that is all right. That is all right. What I love about this, and, and to me, when I talk about the entrepreneur, which I did not create uh, this term, but for me, the meaning is about teachers taking their talents, their goal, their gifts, and things that they've done in the classroom for the purpose of making an impact beyond the four walls of their classroom, all right? Plus, you know, you get the income, the look of the coin too, because it is a business, you, you know, you got, you know, we're not creating a hobby here, but I didn't, when I started doing this work with the podcast, when I made this, the pivot to do what I'm doing now with the podcast and will my documentary. And of course, people on Twitter, they see what I tweet about. Uh, it was about educators really stepping into like who they are. Yeah. Right. And not just because I believe in multiple streams of income, but not just creating a business to create a business, but to create a business built in uh, in purpose and meaning and in alignment with why you became an educator in the first place. What are some of the teacher skills that you have, that you've experienced, that you practice on a daily day-to-day -day basis? Uh, how have they translated into entrepreneurship 
And what has surprised you about running a business? So some of the things that, you know, as an educator, one of the hardest things that we have to do in the classroom is understand how to differentiate our instruction. And it doesn't always come naturally. It doesn't always feel easy. Um, in all honesty, it's probably the hardest part of the job. It's not planning the lessons. It's not delivering the lessons. It's making sure that all of your students have mastery of what it is that you're trying to teach them of the content. And for me, I, I think the last seven years when I was in the classroom, it was all about, I'm just going to love the heck out of these kids. Yes, I want them to learn, but I want them to grow in character. I want them to grow in responsibility and accountability and honesty and integrity and truthfulness and loyalty. And there were so many things that I felt if I could just reach them and teach them so much of those things, the academics is going to come. Mm. And sometimes that's a little backwards in our world. We want to teach them the academics first and then, okay, if we've got time for the character, we'll teach them the character later. But um, for me, having that, that to me speaks volumes on inclusivity and when you're trying to be culturally responsive and you want to include everyone and there were so many kids in my last year of teaching there were so many kids that just really struggled and they struggled to fit in and they struggled with some challenges and maybe they weren't always the most liked kids but the more I focused on them and encourage them and cheered them on, the other kids would follow suit. And I'm like, that's what this world is all about. It's all about, you know, encourage everyone. Don't shun them. I didn't want to shun anybody or discourage anybody or make anybody feel shamed or belittled because of something they couldn't do. Um, so one example is in my book, Lives Messages, I had a little girl and she struggled with dyslexia and she struggled with some other, other things and not a lot of kids understood her and we, but she was a brilliant artist and I loved the way that she drew. And I loved the way, and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, can you do me a favor? I'm like, and my kids all knew that I was an author and illustrator, but I said, I'm coming out with this book. I'm like, can you just I love this thing that you just drew. I love this flower. Can you draw me another one? Because I think I'm going to use that in my next book. And all the kids went, oh, what? You're going to use her drawing in your next book? I'm like, yeah, why not? She's got a talent and I want to highlight that talent. So I did. So she actually, and I know your people cannot see that, but she drew that flower right there. And I painted it and used it as a throw rug in one of my illustrations where Liv was laying on the sofa with a blanket and she, you would have thought she had a million dollars. So, you know, we've just, I think that is, I want to say it's almost like a superpower, you know, is making people feel, feel worthy, making people feel loved. There was another boy um, who had similar issues, who had similar struggles didn't speak hardly at all, um, didn't talk in the class, didn't raise his hand, didn't 
um, collaborate well in other groups. Um, he always kind of felt like the outsider. And um, we did an activity where they all had to record themselves doing an animal habitat project on flip and had to do a little video. And then at the end of their presentation, they sent them to me. I put them all together and we watched them as a class. And he did the animal, he did, it's called an axolotl. It's an aquatic animal. And I had never heard of it before, but when he was on camera and he was filming him, when his mom was filming him, he came to life. Like he never spoke hardly at all in the classroom, didn't get along with anyone. It was really hard for him. He got easily overwhelmed, but you put him in front of a camera where he could be himself. He dressed in full costume, like an axolotl. And you would have thought he came right out of like, he looked like a little sea creature and everybody in that classroom clapped after his presentation. And we're like, hey, Abram, that was so great. Good job, buddy. I can't, that's just awesome. And again, you thought you would have given him a million dollars the way his face lit up. So I put him in my book too. <laughs> <laughs> so he's uh, actually one of the characters in my book named Abram. And he's actually, that's an axolotl down there in the water. He's taken a little dive. He and Liv are friends and become friends and, uh, you know, have a, they kind of have a little common goal and a little thing to work on together in the book, but that's it. Dr. Will making everybody feel valued and worthy because everybody's got a story. We're all so different. We're just trying. And I always tell people, we're just trying to human together on this planet the best we can. <laughs> so why not just be, why not just love? Mm. It's not so, that hard. So what are you loving about this journey thus far? That it is allowing me, and like you had said earlier, it is allowing to me to be the best version of myself. I, you know, for an introverted, you know, school teacher who started out not even knowing how to teach a classroom with third graders to just this whole open world where anything is possible. And I'm just, I love every single step of it. And I've made mistakes. I've made some big mistakes um, in, in this journey <laughs> um, with doing things that, you know, I either I didn't know how to do or I did them wrong. And but I pick myself up and I move back on. And you know what? Now other people are following suit and following me and wanting to be on the journey with me. And I'm like, come on, come on, come with me. Mm. So I know you mentioned earlier being in the mastermind and learning from Jeff and in and, and, and the book you read about storytelling. But what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've heard from another entrepreneur? And what is your advice to those educators who are thinking about monetizing their talents beyond the walls of their classroom? All right. So <clears throat> It may sound a little unconventional, but my best piece of advice is to be a quitter. And when I say be a quitter, um, I mean, quit thinking that you can't do something. Put aside the negativity, put aside the pessimism, put aside doubting yourself and quit it. 
and find something that makes your heart full of joy. Find something, dream, dream big. Um, and that's another one. Yeah. Dream big, be a quitter and dream big, but be a quitter. Don't, you know, quit thinking that you can't do something. Um, because if you keep thinking that, yeah, you can't. And not everybody is going to say, oh, but you will. You're not, everybody's going to have a Casey in their life. Like my aunt say, oh no, you can do it. They're going to tell you, you can't do it. This world, especially is going to tell you, you can't do it, but you got to quit. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Jillian, for coming on the show. Wow. Thank you. Boy, that went fast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, almost an hour. My goodness. Wow. It's been awesome having you on the show and and, uh, sharing, you know, your journey. Uh, That's, you know, this episode will air uh, in season nine. I haven't actually released an episode in almost a month. Uh, so it'll be in season nine. And I'm hoping season nine will be, you know, bigger and better uh, than ever. And that people are hearing this. Well, listening and hearing journeys from other educators and thinking, you know, getting that, hey, I can do this too. And some tidbits because I remember sitting, you know, because I had a couple of people because I kind of fell into this thing, I guess, like most people do. And I remember sitting in in a, uh, I was at ISTE and I'm in a session and this person would, was doing their thing. And I was like, this person isn't a unicorn. I can do this. And from then on, the next time I was approached by someone hey, do you do this? I was like, well, yes. And hey, the rest is history, as they say. I love that. I just think, you know, and we just, whatever platform feels good and however we can just encourage. And I haven't been on a podcast in probably a year just because I thought, yeah, who really, you know, wants to talk to me? I mean, I'm, But when you had put that out there, I'm like, hmm, yeah, I need to start talking about it again. The journey is still continuing. It's not over. It's just getting started. (laughs) So yeah, so let's keep talking about it, Jill. Let's keep talking. And uh, I'm glad I did. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've even got some, some more ideas now brewing but you know and I used to think too even my podcast I used to like say oh well you know it's just a little podcast it's just it's only five or six minutes an episode and I just am talking about you know little ways to bring joy and they're like it it's a podcast it doesn't matter if it's 30 minutes or five minutes it's it's something that you're doing to share your heart I'm like you're right. Okay. Changing that perspective. <laughs> so it's all in perspective, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'm just, I have to do that myself because, you know, I, sometimes, you know, I admit to be a little petty and sometimes I go check out other people's podcasts and I'm like, 
I'm, I'm looking at their reviews and I'm looking at their, you know, the ratings and I'm like, I'm, I'm over, I have over 600 episodes. Like why, why are my ratings not up? You know, you know, what happened to my, to my, to, to my reviews. And that's just a bad, you know, that puts you in a bad place if you, if you stay there and, and dwell on it. Right. So I have to, to just, be grateful for the opportunity to to share and uh you know feel blessed that anyone is listening and also make sure that I show up for those who do listen so instead of getting caught up in the metrics which I still check but understand that even if only 5 people listen every episode make sure that I produce the best episode for those 5 people But it is, it is hard to not compare, you know, it's because you do, you get a little jolt of, you know, pride when you see, oh my gosh, how many people like read my blog today? Like, but at the same time, it's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> I'll put myself in my place. <laughs> like, um, who knows, you know, it may be, they just clicked on it and clicked back off of it. So, you know, it's all subjective. <laughs> But at the same time, like you said, if you're just reaching, you know, one person and I've had to say no to people, you know, I've had people who have come to me and asked me to illustrate their, their stories. And I'm like, you know what? It just doesn't feel right. This is not the right time or the right story for me right now. Um, Because one thing that's really challenging about being an illustrator is for me to illustrate my own stories piece of cake. I can, Mm. I can do that because I know what to expect. I know what I'm writing. I know where that writing came from, but to illustrate someone else's thoughts and their heartfelt story, that's a lot harder than I thought it would be. Mm. And it has pushed me and challenged me. So if it's not right and I'm not feeling the vibe and I'm not feeling that this is going to be a great collaboration, I I'm okay to say no. And Jeff told me that he's like, you're all right. Just say no. And you walk away and, and don't have any regret. Don't have any shame. You have the right to do that. So that was hard because I am, I'm a people pleaser. Uh (laughs) Um, I want people to like me. I want to be, you know, loved and accepted. And for me to say no to somebody is not normal. Um, but it's okay. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm still growing every single day. So. All right. All right. Again, thank you, Jillian, for coming on the show. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I really do. You are welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be an Apple podcast, Google podcast, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. I need you to subscribe and share with your network. And though I'm on all major podcast platforms, I'm really trying to grow on Apple Podcasts. So in addition to subscribing, listen, give me some ratings, give me some reviews, because I'm trying to be found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show because I want to know that we're doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Jillian DuBois, for coming on and dropping so many gems. And for you for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people... Invest in you, EDU, peace.